Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Vision is one of those interesting things. You might have a vision for your business, a vision for your family, a vision for your life, but whatever vision is, it's always grand. The vision is one of those things that gives us a direction, it gives us a purpose, it gives us something to move towards, something that uh, dictates the way we use our time, our resources. But vision is always grand, it's always about a destination point, it's always an arrival, it's always a complete picture of the future, it's like staring at a mountain and picturing yourself on the summit. What you're going to do when you reach the top. And you might have a vision for your life. I think every one of my sons at some point, when asked what they wanted to do with their life, they wanted to represent their country in some sporting conquest. It still hasn't dropped for most of them, but there's something in them that just loves the concept of playing sport for Australia. Maybe sport's never been your thing. Maybe your thing is uh, succeeding in your vocation. You want to be the boss of your company. You want to own your own business. You want to be the principal of the school, you want to be the Prime Minister of Australia. Right now, uh, in about 20 years, 30 years time, that will be my daughter because I've never met anyone with greater negotiation skills than my six-year-old daughter. So maybe find a new vision for your life. (laughs) Maybe your vision is around family. Right now, all you can focus on is what it is to be married and have kids. Maybe it's a financial vision that you want to be debt-free before 45 and retired before you turn 50. Maybe you've got a, just a personal challenge that's the vision from your, for your life right now. Maybe you want to run a marathon before your 50th birthday. I don't know what it is, but whatever vision looks like for you, vision is always grand. It's always big. And when you look at the vision that we have as a church, it's a grand vision. I mean, Jason just threw out a few pictures of what that might look like. 10 campuses, 10,000 stories of transformation. We believe in this room today are 150 stories of transformation. What God has done in your life and what he continues to do. But what does that look like across the whole southeast corner and across the world where Gateway is involved to see 10,000 lives impacted so they too can share with their mouth a story of God's transformation. They are big pictures of who we are and where we're going. But every vision doesn't start on the summit, does it? It starts in the small things. It starts by getting the simple things right. Every vision starts with the simplest things. It starts with being consistent. It starts with taking the next, often unspectacular step. Whatever vision you have for your life, it starts somewhere. And I can tell you, it's not on the top of the mountain. It'll be at the base of it. Want to represent Australia in sport? Start reading about nutrition, start reading about training, start getting out and running when nobody else can see. You want to be Australia's next great skeleton rider? Hurdle yourself down a track at 130 kilometres an hour. Where does that start? It doesn't start on the summit with a medal around your neck. It starts in taking the next, often unspectacular step. And so as we look ahead, as we look at the vision that God's got for us as a church... Today is a reminder to all of us that the destination is in God's hands. And the thing he's asking of us is to take the next 
faithful step. So let me too take you back to 1928, to the start of our church. And I wanted our creative team, uh, Thomas, who's not here this morning, he's helping with our Gateway Online service, but most of you know and love Thomas. Do an incredible job, was largely responsible for that video we just saw. So next time you see him, make sure you cheer him on. We produce the best here at Ormo. Just, that won't be on the podcast when everyone else listens to it, but we just know in the room that that is true. But if we go back to the start of our church, the, the creative guys found an article that was written in the Sunday Mail that talked about the launch of a brand new church in Holland Park. Here's the article, and let me read it to you this morning. New Church, Holland Park, Baptist Congregation. Great enthusiasm marked the opening of the new Baptist church at Holland Park on Sunday afternoon. The little 30-foot by 18-foot building, capable of seating more than 100 persons, being filled to overflowing. Introduced by the Reverend Keith, who will take charge of the new church, Reverend Weller, the president of the Baptist Union of Queensland, who performed the opening ceremony, congratulated the congregation on an excellent site chosen for the building and stated that he felt sure that this was the seedling from which would spring a much larger and more pretentious church. Now, we're struggling with this bit of the article. And we're going to every English teacher we know and saying, surely in 1928, pretentious meant something different than the way it means today. Because we don't actually believe that the vision spoken over our church is to be a pretentious church. Some of you might think that there's some pretentious people in our church, but if any English teachers here know what the 1928 meaning of that might be that puts a positive spin on it, please come and talk to me. Either that or the Sunday meal misprinted something. Continues, the gathering after the doors had been ceremoniously thrown open moved into the church where a service was conducted by Mr. Weller who took on the subject of his address, shining and serving. Mr. Keith pointed out that the building had been erected largely by volunteer labour recruited from the members of the Donnellan and Thompson Estate Baptist Churches. It was only a few months ago, he said, that they had decided to build a church at Holland Park But the progress made by the voluntary workers, many of whom had made great sacrifices to assist in the work, was so good that now, shortly before the Christmas festivities, the church was open. These are the giants on which we stand. Representatives of the Baptist Union of Queensland had selected the site in Yuletide Street of Logan Road and had purchased it for the rather large sum of £250. However, an old building had been acquired for removal and this had now been reconstructed, the total cost being only £170, including seats, an organ and other furnishings, thanks to the wholehearted assistance of the members of the two Baptist churches. When it was considered that only eight weeks had elapsed between the putting in of the stumps and the opening progress, it had been remarkably rapid. I'm here today to tell you in eight weeks' time, we'll have some chairs to set out in this building. Reverend Hewison and Mr. A. Bickmore and others also delivered short addresses. And at the conclusion of the service, a basket tea was held with Reverend McColl conducting a service in the evening. What a great article that takes us back to the very beginning after the Sunday school had started to grow and a church was planted. I bet as they stood on the stage that day with 100 people in a packed out little hall in Holland Park and talked about the vision for this to be a seedling into which something much greater would grow, no one in that room could have had a picture of what God was going to do through Gateway in the 93 years to come. 
And here we are, a bigger crowd than gathered on that first day at Ormo, as just one of the great stories of what God has done through a faithful group of people. And that article drips with the faithfulness of God, but also of the sacrifice of people. A building erected in eight weeks, solely paid for and given through the volunteer labour and the generosity of people who would never know that their investment back there was going to impact generations to come. And we talk regularly about what it means to lead generations and to build a church here in Ormo that's going to be here for generations to come. The reality is that God's going to call some of us to sacrifice in ways that we may never see the fruit of what he'll do in 93 years' time, but one day some others will stand on the shoulder of some giants that are here in this room today when they were faithful in doing the little things that God called them to do that would make a long and significant impact for the kingdom in this community and in this nation. I'm going to talk more about that in coming weeks. You know, sometimes we live in a culture that says, I only want to invest in the things now that are actually going to pay back now. In other words, I only want to give to the things that are going to bless me. It's a really bad rendering of what some people would call the prosperity doctrine. But you know what God's generous doctrine looks like? You give for the sake of others, even if you receive nothing in return. And that was where our church started. No one could have imagined the story that unfolded since 1928. But the call on that first day was simple, and it's simple today. And so the title of my message this morning, 93 years later, is Shining and Serving. God wants to take us back to the very beginning. I just want to make a really simple statement for all of us here this morning. Our community should be a better place because we're in it. Our community should be a better place because Gateway Baptist Church Ormo exists. Things should be brighter. Things should be filled with more hope because we exist. Jesus at the start of one of his most famous works, his most famous sermons, well, his most famous sermon, known as the Sermon on the Mount, says this in Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. And he speaks these words to us today. You are the salt of the earth, Gateway Ormo. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Good preacher, Jesus, three S's in one sentence. Look at that. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is a really simple illustration, isn't it? It's one we can read and we can make sense of. He uses some commonly understood elements, salt and light, but gives them a deeply spiritual significance. You see, salt, we add salt to our meals today. Salt adds flavor. Salt is a great seasoning agent. You watch MasterChef, they always complain when there's not enough salt and sometimes when there's too much. You see, salt makes things taste better. I think one of the things Jesus would want to say to us is things should be better because you're part of it. You should add flavor to things. See, following Jesus was never meant to be bland. It was never meant to be just neutral gray tone. The church has been accused for many years of actually sucking life from life, but as the servants of the ultimate creator God, I reckon the church exists 
to add flavour to life. The church should be on the forefront of innovation and irresistible community and creativity and art because we exist to add flavour. But more than that, and I think more significant in Jesus' words, salt in the ancient world was a preserving agent. You put it on everything to keep it. If you had you know, some food that you needed to keep, you put it in salt because salt preserves. In other words, what Jesus would want to say is you, church, your presence stops things going bad. Part of what Jesus has for us as a community is to be preserving agents in a broken, messed up world. Salt stops things from going bad. You know, in my younger years, as I grew up and all the youth camps I used to go on, that the real focus of the church was around salvation or the moment of salvation. In other words, how do we lead people to a point where they choose to put their trust in Jesus? The problem was sometimes the way that was communicated was once you arrived at that moment, all you had to do was sit back, get comfortable, not do anything wrong, not sin, and wait till Jesus returned, and you could go and be in glory in heaven for him. We missed a whole chunk of the story because we put all of our focus into getting people saved so they could go to heaven. But that's only part of the gospel story because Jesus came so that you could experience his salvation, have your future and your eternity secure in him. But the Bible says that Jesus came to give us life. And so Jesus' people aren't just about getting people saved so they can go to heaven. Jesus' people are actually about getting people saved so they can discover their purpose that can only be found in Jesus and they can start to use their God-given gifts to see the transformation and the renewal and the restoration of a broken, hurting world because that is the good news of the gospel. Not that one day you'll evacuate out of here and go into glory and sing forever hymns with Jesus but so that you can actually jump on Jesus' mission of renewal and restoration and making broken things whole and making hurting things healed and restoring things. You see, it was Jesus' people that had a significant influence in past generations in seeing healthcare come, in starting orphanages, in educating young people, in bringing charity involved in water, health, and purification, in building great homes so people could find shelter, in making things more beautiful than they already were through painting and sewing and gardening and care for God's creation, in adding soundtracks to the world through the creation of beautiful music, in loving kids and investing in kids, in serving their communities. You see, Jesus calls us to be people that are salt. Our presence stops things going bad as we start to live the fullness of the good news, which is Jesus wants to restore all things and make them new. And he invites you to be part of that kingdom building project. You see, we compartmentalize faith sometimes. We actually think there's some that are served to follow Jesus. They stand up here on a Sunday morning. They lead worship. They preach the word. That's, that is a terrible theology. The reason I stand here is I think the gifts that God's given me align to this role and this opportunity and what he's called me to do. But if you're a brilliant craftsman, if you're great with your hands, if you're great at building things, what's it look like for you to live out the call that God's got on your life in building things to his glory? If you're an educator, 
Part of God's heart is to see people raised up and educated and given a hope for their future. If you mentor young people, I could go on and list nearly every job and say that we don't compartmentalize it, whether there's those that are called to follow Jesus and there's everybody else. No, no, no. If you've discovered faith in Jesus, you're called to serve Jesus wherever he's placed you and however he's asked you to use your gifts. See, part of the announcement of the gospel was the good news of the renewal and restoration of a broken world. And we, as Jesus' church, continue to live on that mission, transforming communities with the love and power of Jesus. So be the salt of the earth, church. Add flavor. Bring creativity. Innovate. And be present knowing that part of what Jesus needs us to do is stop things going bad. But more than that, let's be the light of the world because light illuminates. Reverend Weller started his first message at Gateway, not known as Gateway back then, by talking about shining. See, light illuminates. Light drives out darkness. I don't need to tell you of the power of light. One of our children, every time we go out somewhere and come back, every single light in the house is on if it's night time. And they don't realize they've done it, but there's something about just lighting the house that brings comfort into their spirit. It's something that makes them feel better. You see, one of the tools of the enemy is making things look good that are actually really destructive. But Jesus says, go be the light of the world because light's going to illuminate the messed up stuff and drive out the darkness. The church, let's be the salt of the earth and let's be the light of the world. Let's shine. The Reverend Weller had a second part of his message and it was to serve, shining and serving. We live in an interesting time when it comes to an understanding of greatness. And if I'm really honest, part of me actually looks to the vision of my own life but to the vision of our church life and part of what I desire is greatness. In other words, I want us to do great things in our time and our generation. I want our church to have a story to tell. I want our church to just see some things happen that none of us have ever seen happen in our lifetime. There's a part of me that desires greatness. We, we live in a culture that loves the thought of greatness. We live in a culture that desires celebrity. Fifteen years ago, reality TV popped up and everybody that wanted their two minutes of fame found a way to get themselves onto our screens, into our Instagram feeds, onto our Facebook accounts, onto our television, now where the people we celebrate the most are simply known as influencers that went on married at first sight. What a great purpose and goal for your life. But that's the culture we live in. It's where we celebrate celebrity and greatness. But Jesus actually wants to say, you want to be great? Let me tell you what greatness is going to look like for your life and what it's going to look like for my church. He says this in Matthew 20. Jesus called the disciples together and let's just a little bit of context James and John, mum, had come and said to Jesus, hey, listen, stand up for boys. It's good when a mum stands up for boys. But listen, these two, top quality. When your kingdom comes, I hope you've got a seat for them right at the head of the table next to you. <laughs> Jesus goes, well, if they want to follow me, they're going to work out some stuff. It's not as glorious as you think it might be. But Jesus then calls his disciples together and says this, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. 
2,000 years ago, there still was a pull for people in power to actually see power as an opportunity to lord power over others. Jesus said, you see it, you observe it in the community. But not so with you, Jesus said. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. If you want to know the road to greatness, Jesus turns it upside down. He says, you want to be great, you've actually got to learn what it means to serve. If you want to be first, you've got to understand what it means to be last. And if you want to model, look at me. I didn't come for glory and for honour. I came to be stripped naked, beaten within an inch of my life and hung on a, rust, uh, on a rugged Roman cross. The ultimate picture of greatness is the cross of Calvary. So what's it mean for us to be a church that shines and serves? Well, to serve, we've got to first understand what greatness looks like. And secondly, we've got to take up our mop and wade into the mess. One of our Gateway Beyond uh, workers met with our staff this week and shared some stories. She's home for a short time. and She's part of establishing a work in a part of the world where Christian faith isn't really celebrated in the same way as it would be in other parts, or not even celebrated, but... but kind of something that you can freely do. She was talking about a disaster in the community in which she was a part and the fledgling group of people that got together in the name of Jesus trying to find their way to actually bless and serve a community. And she said, we just did the very thing that you do. We grabbed a bucket, we grabbed a broom, and we grabbed some mops, and we waded into the mess and started to sweep out the rubble of people's lives, literally. I actually think that's where God wants it to start for us because we will never be the church that God wants us to be unless we are willing to wade into the mess. And sometimes with a bucket in one hand and a broom in the other, it doesn't feel like the most glorious place to be. It's not your picture of greatness. It's not your picture of success, but it's Jesus' picture of greatness and success. Because he chose to wade into your mess. He actually only asked you to do the very thing that he did for you, which was he waded into your mess. We don't fully understand what it looked like for Jesus to step out of the glory of heaven to come and step into your mess. And your life is messy. If any one of us laid out all of the muck that we've accumulated along the journey of life, we'd recognise that the only thing that would want someone to actually care for us was someone with incredible love and grace. And Jesus, in his love and grace, stepped out of the glory and the riches and the honour and the fame and the celebrity and the greatness of heaven to wade into your muck with a bucket in one hand and a mop in the other to start cleaning up the rubble of your life. And that is the church that he calls us to be. That's what it means for us to be great. Let's wade into the mess of a broken, hurting community and let's shine and let's serve. If you look at the grand picture of our future, Gateway, Gateway Ormo, we want to plant churches, we want to build buildings for churches, for our church. We want to raise leaders, we want to send more people 
to work in the nations of the world than ever before. We want to start some great new local ministries. We want to see our care ministries expand. We want to see more people connected in the life group. We want to see 10,000 stories of transformation. But it's all going to start with us doing the really simple things. Shining the light of Jesus and mimicking the greatness of Jesus in how we serve. You know, we're stepping into a brand new season as a church. And it's always good, as Justin did this morning for us, a really great moment for us to be reminded of where we've come from. As we read that article, we're reminded of where we came from and the fabric of how this church was built. But now we're actually being asked to set our sights on where God's calling us to go. The vision isn't about a person. It's not about a leadership team. It's not about the gateway because you are gateway. It's actually an invitation for all of us. And here's the sobering thing. Our vision looks big. And it is. The only way we're ever going to realize it is if everyone sees their part in it. You know, if every one of us across all of our current campuses decided that we were just going to find one person that we were going to invest our life in and share Jesus with, and if that person's story became one of those stories of transformation, our vision would be realized. If everyone chose to use their God-given gifts to serve others and to wade into the mess of humanity, our vision will be realized. So the question is, are you in? Are you in? I actually look around this room and I've been part of Gateway for over 20 years now. I've been part of the church for 25 years and on the team. It's my 20th year on team. It's going to be our 10th year as a church here at Almost. a nice rhythm there, isn't it? Maybe it's time to... No. I look around and you know what? There's days I love what I do and there's days that it's just hard work. It's just hard work leading the church and leading groups of people and you know, wading into the mess that comes. And you know, I stepped into this year and there was that deep breath moment of, I know there's going to be some joy. I know there's going to be some pain. I know there's going to be some things that it's like Groundhog Day will repeat themselves. There's going to be some days that I'll wake up and just can't wait to do what God's called me to do. And some other days I just want to get in my car and drive and put a rooftop tent on it and turn my phone off and never be found again. But then I look around and the thing that really compels my spirit is I look around this room and go, oh, imagine if in 2028 there's a whole bunch of us still doing this together, shining the light of Jesus and serving a broken community. Man, it sounds awesome. You go on a camper van trip around Australia. But it also sounds really awesome to be part of God's mission in restoring a broken, hurting world and getting to be a participant on that journey. So are you in? As every good Baptist pastor, Reverend Weller started pretty well, shining and serving, but there should be a third point starts with the same letter. So I'm going to add to his sermon today because I want to talk about shining, serving and being set apart. Now this is a really important moment for us. This is just, you know, the moment where you put your faith in Jesus and prayed for the very first time and asked him to come and invade your life and forgive your sins, that's a really important moment. But when you wake up the next day, it's, it's an important moment too. But but there's, there's moments in time, there's those little highlight moments where God just wants to stop us and call us into something before he just 
sets us sailing towards all that he has for us. And I reckon today is one of those moments. You know, throughout the scripture, when God was leading people into a new season and was calling them to a new task, there was often a moment, a spiritually significant moment that was followed by a physical act. In the Old Testament, part of the Old Testament law, every time people were coming close or to a significant moment in their national story and their story with God, they were called to consecrate themselves. You find one of these moments just before they're about to enter the promised land that God had for them in the book of Joshua and they get to the edge of the Jordan which is still flowing and they don't know how God's going to get them, the whole nation, (coughs) to the other side. But Joshua says to the people, Tomorrow God's going to lead us into the land that he promised. But today you need to go and consecrate yourself. And to consecrate themselves, the Bible tells, involved a couple of things. One, they washed themselves. Two, they washed their clothes. And three, they abstained from any sexual relationship for that season. They were preparing themselves for God to do something brand new in their story. And so they went and washed themselves and made themselves clean, ready for what God was going to do next. Fast forward, not that far down the story of Israel and they've now made it into the land of Canaan. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. God miraculously parted the waters. They walked into their promised land and now they stand with the walls of Jericho towering above them and God says, okay, it's time to get ready for the next thing that I have for you. Now, this wasn't an awesome moment for a lot in the community, but God said, go sharpen some rocks and circumcise all those that haven't been circumcised. So they had a mass spiritual moment of circumcision. God stepped them beyond that into a new season. The walls of Jericho fell down. Some of us are going to be asked to go into some new territory. We're going to stand at the edge of some rivers and we don't know the way across, but God's actually going to walk us into some new territory. Some of us are actually going to see him use us to tear down some walls. Not physical walls, but some walls of brokenness and pain. Fast forward a little bit later and, and David, King David, is being appointed by God to lead the nation of Israel. And he comes before Samuel and it says that Samuel took some oil and anointed him. Again, a a significant moment with a physical act of significance. And and the oil just represented God's presence that was kind of pouring and the moment of being set apart. To be anointed meant to be set apart. And God was, through Samuel, anointing David for all that he had called him into. (coughs) He was anointed with oil. And God wants to set some of us apart to be leaders. As David did to write some new songs. And in that moment, there was a significant moment and a physical act. Fast forward to the New Testament and the, the early church is starting to grow. The kids are meant to come back in. It's all right. Don't Don't worry. There was a significant moment where the early church was starting to grow, but they realized that they were neglecting some of the ministry to the poor and marginalized, the widows, those that had no food. And so the leaders of the church appointed seven men to actually wait on the tables. And it said they got them together and they called them out and they found men that were full of God, the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. And they laid hands on them and they prayed for them as they stepped into a new season. You know, this new season, we're going to step into you. Some of you are going to be called into places to serve the poor and the oppressed and the brokenhearted. And we want to anoint you and appoint you for that season. (coughs) 
Yeah, this is a new season for us as a church. It's a moment to stop, to look ahead to all God wants for us. But it's also a moment where we come before Him and ask for Him to set us apart for the task that He has for us. Let's go grab my water. So I ask the question, who just desires to step into all that God has for us? For some of you, your season at Gateway might be short, but who knows what season God wants to step you and your family into. For some of us, and I hope for many of us, we're still here arm in arm in seven years celebrating all that God's going to do, but right now we're on the cusp of that. So the invitation is, church, are we willing to step into all that God has for us? Are we willing to be set apart and anointed for that task, to say to God, God, I just bring the little that I have and I'm just going to ask you just to fill me with your spirit, to empower me, to resource me, to make me aware in every moment of your presence so that I may step into all that you have for me. As we finish today and as we look to our future, I want to mark this moment in a way that's going to feel a little bit odd to some of us, but I've asked four couples this morning, and I'm going to ask them if they come forward now. Four, four couples that have been part of our church for a long time and are served in different leadership roles and been a huge blessing to many of you. And we've uh, stood with these guys, we've prayed with these guys, we love them all, but you know, today we just, I've asked them if they would come because we want to pray over you. And uh, we thought we'd bring your kids back in because this isn't just about the adults, right? Actually, I hope some of us get out of the way uh, in the next seven years as we see our kids just raise up to be the church of the generations to come. That some of the young people that just walk back into our year, into our room are going to be the leaders of this church in the future. They're going to be the ones that are going to set the platform for all that God wants to take us into. And so this is not just praying for those of us that are a little bit older. This is praying for our whole family. And so I've given each of these guys just a little uh, jar of oil, just baby oil if you're worried. But when, when they anointed David with oil or when they anointed the priest with oil, it, there's nothing magical in the oil, right? There's no magical thing going on here. It was just a reminder of God's presence, God's calling, God's empowering through His Holy Spirit, a reminder that God is with us. And so they anointed people with oil and they prayed for them. And they said, God, we just want to release them into all that you have for them, set them apart for all that you want to call them into. And so in this moment, as we step forward, church, into our new season, I ask these guys if they would just pray a blessing over anyone here that would just love to come and receive that prayer. And You know, if you don't want the oil, you can tell them to nick off. We're in a COVID-safe world, so these guys are just going to drop a couple of drops on your hand and you can wipe it in your own hands and just be reminded that God wants to equip you, resource you, Fill you with his Holy Spirit. Set you apart for the task that he's calling you to. Equip you with the gifts that he's given you. To be a part of his great story into the future. I'm going to play, pray a blessing over you this morning. As together we move into the future that God has for us. Can we stand together, church? Lord Jesus, I pray in this moment that the simple things that were the fabric of our church would continue to be the simple things. That we love you with everything that we have. That we love our neighbour as ourselves. That we would shine the light of Jesus into our community. 
that we'd take up our bucket and our mop and we would serve, we'd wade into the mess, Jesus, as you did for us and serve our community out of love. And God, I pray as we do that, that, that all you intend for us, individually and corporately, God, that this would be an incredible adventure of seeing you break through, restore families, restore marriages, break addictions, bring hope into hopelessness, help young people find purpose, help the hungry be fed, help the broken be made whole, help the sick be healed. God, none of that we can do, but God, we can just come and be available and ask you to do it through us. And we do that this morning. Would you set us apart as a church for all that you're calling us to, we pray. And Lord, would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey, the team's going to sing a, a song that's failing you. Joining them. And if, if you'd like prayer this morning, come forward. If, if you don't want the oil, you can, the, the, the prayer team, it's fine. If you're happy, just a couple of drops just to remind you of God's presence with you, His equipping of you and the filling of His Holy Spirit as He sets you apart for this next season. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes to our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.